Hello, everyone, and on today's episode, we have Dr. Kylie Burton. She's an expert in functional medicine and helps thousands of individuals with seemingly impossible health struggles find the answer, healing, and even if they've been told that their labs are quote-unquote normal. And she has a paid membership community called Healing Beyond the Diagnosis Tribe. This episode is going to be for our endometriosis ladies. This is going to be a deep dive into endometriosis how to treat it, everything we can do, and even the best diet for endometriosis. We're going to get into all that today. So if you have this, you have to listen to this episode. Enjoy. Welcome to the Kaka TV podcast, your source for all things health, happiness, and beauty. being with us here today. Yes. Thanks, Kat, for having me. I will caveat. I've got a little baby girl in my lap, so you get my mommy side today too. We're going to make it work. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey and into functional medicine and how you came to be a chiropractor that doesn't even own a chiropractic table? Yeah, I sold it about a year ago. I don't like adjusting as much as I like functional medicine. So I'm like, let's just roll with what I like to do. Um, I got my bachelor's degree in nutrition. And I liked the idea of being able to talk about food and how food is helping individuals. But what I didn't know is that the food, the dietitian, the nutrition stuff I was taught was all about, you know, dairy, dairy is healthy for you. It's got lots of calcium. And now I've had to throw all of that out the door. So I got introduced to functional medicine chiropractic when I was hired on as an assistant for to a chiropractor who, who dabbled into functional medicine, who did a little bit of it. And I, and at that point in my life, I didn't, never seen a chiropractor, never taken a supplement in my life and at, you know, 23 years old. So it was a very foreign concept to me, but I had all of these women come in for, for care and I was his assistant, right? So I would see them first and they would say things to me like, I have libido problems or menopause issues, or my period's really heavy or some, something about female issues that you just don't want to talk to a man about. So they would always say to me, well, they'd tell me their issues and then they would say, shh, don't tell the doctor. So after a long, a long enough time, I was like, you know what, screw it. I've got all of the classes I need. I might as well just go get the dang piece of paper so I can put DR next to my name and really help these women out in the way that they need help because they weren't getting help. So fast forward a couple of years, I'm in medical school and I get this patient who's a disaster. Um, she's coming in from the community, wanting me to help her with the functional medicine side of things. And she's had the MRI test, the CT scans, the blood work, like every test under the sun is negative. And here she is on the on the table. We had to put a black mat in front of the door or in front of the window, I mean, so we can make the room as dark as possible. It was just any light was just too much light for her. So here she is sitting in this scenario. And I literally said to myself, I vowed to myself that day, if I look at her the same way everybody else does, I'm going to get the same results. No, just wasn't okay with me. So I trained myself to look at her and everyone else differently, which is what led me to really going into functional medicine, which is personalized medicine. There's no protocol. There's no one size fits all. And it's all about discovering the why behind your symptoms and eliminating it. So that's my story. That's how I got into functional medicine. And um, that's what I love doing because it solves, it gives people who don't have hope, hope, And then it helps to solve their problems so they can get their life back. 
And and specifically in regards to endometriosis, endometriosis is this hormone issue that we don't know much about as far as Western medication, Western medicine is concerned. But the more I look into endometriosis from a functional medicine standpoint, the more I learn about what causes it and then can we actually heal it? Because right now you go, you have heavy, painful periods. They might suspect you have endometriosis. Your options are birth control and hysterectomy. And I've had so many people who are 20 years old, 21 years old, 22 years old, get told that the only way to solve their concerns, their their heavy periods, is literally to have a hysterectomy. So let's just, you know, throw out the chance of having kids of your own and get a hysterectomy at 20. Like to me, that is that's no solution. There's got to be a better way, and I'm going to teach you that better way right here. Could you tell us a little bit about what you think might cause endometriosis? Okay, before we get to the cause, let me teach you what it is. Endometriosis, the symptoms are heavy, painful periods, um, and it can cause pain all the time. I got There's a 14-year-old girl who they said that she has endometriosis. She's been down you know, five ER doctors, six specialists, including an endo specialist, and been doing their treatment, aka birth control for the last three months. And she's just writhing in pain all the time. So what happens is endometriosis, the endometrium is the lining of our uterus. That uterus is our lovely reproductive organ that causes our periods, right? So depending on how thick our lining is, depends on how heavy your period is which is why they call it endometriosis because it's the endometrium that gets really, really thick. And so when you're, if you were to go in, say, you know, like my mom and her generation, there's a lot of them who went in for hysterectomies and they're like, oh, your endometrium was really thick. How were your periods? Oh, they were horrible. They were awful every month. So 10, 15 years ago, we didn't really know as much as we know now and we're still learning. So now someone who's my age or in their or 20s, they go into their gynecologist and they have these heavy, painful periods. Their options are birth control, which makes things worse, and or hysterectomy. But what causes endometriosis is what the gynecologists don't quite understand. And it's whereas functional medicine practitioners who are who specialize in this stuff can really get it right. So when we think about the pattern of the hormone pattern of endometriosis, it falls along the lines of estrogen. And the reason why it's estrogen is because estrogen levels just keep getting higher and higher and higher. And the higher your estrogen levels are, the heavier your period. So if someone has a light period, then their estrogen levels are probably not that high. And and estrogen is going to get high and higher, higher and higher and higher in the first half of your cycle. And then you ovulate and your estrogen drops down while your progesterone is supposed to go up. That's the how this female cycle works. But in that first half, if you're having a really heavy period, your estrogen's getting pretty high. What causes high estrogen? I mean, if you were to go to a bioidentical person or your gynecologist, they're going to say, well, we don't really know. And the only way we can combat that is with giving you progesterone. That's how we're going to combat it. They're not going to fix the high estrogen. They're just going to feed your body with another hormone to try to balance the, to counteract the two. And there's a problem. Because that makes hormones, it makes it worse. Because now your liver has to eliminate all of that extra hormone, all the extra stuff that you're getting, whether it's birth control or, or and, and your natural hormones. So when you have 
high estrogen, you have to look at to start at one place, and that starting point is the liver. As your estrogen levels can enter your liver, your estrogen, you know, hangs out there. Sometimes it's going to get broken up and eliminated, but if your liver is too busy doing other things, the estrogen level is just going to keep getting higher and higher and higher because your liver doesn't ever break it down. So then it goes back into your bloodstream and your body continues to make more of it. And it's just this endless cycle. So maybe you're 20 years old right now and you have really heavy, painful periods. Come in, and in 10 years, it's going to be absolutely worse and miserable. But where you're just like, you just, just take it out. Just get rid of it. I need my life back every time that month or the time of the month comes. So the faster you can get on this, the faster, of course, you're going to heal, but the more time of your life you're going to get back. So if you have heavy, painful periods, you need to start in your liver. And there's three tips that I recommend. Okay. So the first tip of helping your liver process all of this stuff is to just el- or reduce your toxic load. So take a look at the three most common products that you use in your house, whether those products are shampoo and conditioner, whether they're lotion whether it's soap, like hand soap, or even if it's cooking oils, whatever it is that you use most, take those products that you're using and find a more natural version. That's going to eliminate a lot of a lot of the toxic load that you're dealing with on a daily life, on a daily basis, which is going to help your liver, right? Step number two is to find a culprit inside your diet that's causing more burden on your body and eliminate that for 21 days. So the most common foods are dairy, gluten, soy, and sugar. And if you can eliminate those four things for just 21 days, that's going to reboot your system really well, really efficiently. And just 21 days has shown us that that inflammation marker called HSCRP, it actually takes that marker down. So you can see it on the labs as far as an inflammation standpoint goes. So the first one is reduce the toxic load. The second one is to help eliminate some of the foods. And then the third one is you probably should do a detox. Now a detox is very different than a cleanse. Liver cleanses typically be are, are like a juicing concept. They're going to juice everything for three days and call it a liver cleanse. That can be good. That can be helpful. That can make you feel better. But what you're doing is you're, you're just eliminating some of the burden on your liver for a short time. The difference between a liver cleanse and a detox, a full, completely, properly done detox, is that you're replenishing your body with the ingredients or the nutrients your detoxification systems need to complete the detox process. So you're fueling it with things like glutathione, your B vitamins. I mean, the list could go on and on and on. But the biggest thing is, is make sure You're replenishing your body with the ingredients it needs to perform a proper detox, not just eliminating the burden for a couple days. So the first step is the liver. So if you're thinking, how do I make it so my next period doesn't absolutely suck? Uh, I was talking to one girl last week. She She takes oxycodone. She takes a half a pill of oxycodone during her time of the month because she's lost three different jobs. Every single time that that time period comes, she can't go to work. She's writhing in pain at home and eventually runs out of sick leave. So she she's lost multiple jobs because of her periods. So I have her on um, a couple different supplements. So that way, come the next cycle, it's different. 
And the way we've done that is we've supplied her body with components like glutathione, and then we've helped it with a, with a supplement called Bind. And Bind literally goes in, grabs toxins, and makes sure that it pulls them out of your body. So it just helps the liver as a, another way of the detox process. So then after you do the liver, you got to take a, into consideration two other factors. They're very common with endometriosis. The, the second factor is candida. A lot of times with endometriosis, there is a candida overgrowth at the same time. Candida is fungal. And a lot of times when people, when women get these, it's more common in women, especially in the vaginal area um, for a candida overgrowth, is it's really hard to tackle and keep in control. And when it comes to candida, feeding candida sugar is its favorite food. So anytime you're eating a carb, you're feeding the candida. And that's really hard to do. I'm not a big fan of going straight keto forever. You can do keto um, at, at times and then you got to rotate off. But that's a whole other topic for another conversation. But when it comes to endometriosis and making sure your very next period is easier than the last, liver, do those three steps. And then if you're going to cut something out, try to cut those simple sugars. So, or the refined sugars, I should say. So all of those, the extra stuff that we eat, you can avoid it for 21 days. I'm still a fan of fruit. Cutting fruit out to me is not the greatest thing because the fruit provides so many more other substantial ingredients to our, to our diet. But just eliminate all the refined sugars because that's going to fuel the candida. And then the third component is the most surprising component. And the more we learn about endometriosis, the more we learn that it, it will be one day on the autoimmune disease spectrum. It's heading that direction the more we learn that endometriosis is an autoimmune disease. <sighs> Take it in. Because so many people get so upset about autoimmune diseases, whether it's Parkinson's, MS, Crohn's, IBS, psoriasis, rheumatoid arthritis, Sjogren's syndrome. I mean, there's 80 to 100 different autoimmune diseases that we know of right now and can pinpoint and diagnose. So when we throw an endometriosis onto that scale, it's really frightening for a lot of people. But when it comes to autoimmune diseases, you got they, they're approached all the same, right? It's an autoimmune immune disease, meaning your immune system is attacking your body. Where it attacks, well, that determines is determined by your genes. So for endometriosis, you lower the estrogen levels, you make sure that candida is not in effect, and then you got to calm the immune system down so it stops attacking your uterus. The way to do that is uh, there's a three-step process that I do with autoimmune diseases. And I dive into all of this on my podcast on Beyond the Diagnosis with me, Dr. Kylie. You can really get into the details because it's a lot. Endometriosis is complicated, but you don't have to go through every single period for the rest of your life miserable until you get a hysterectomy. Like There's a way to combat all of this, and, and I'm teaching you it. So start off with the liver, do those three steps. If you're literally wanting to take your next period and make it easier for you, less heavy, less painful. Maybe you're in pain constantly. Help to mitigate that pain by um, the three steps with reducing the liver's load, okay? So you're gonna reduce your toxic load by finding three different products in your house. It can be makeup, lotions, shampoo, and conditioner. Um, and then the second one is to cut out the culprit foods. 
So those 20, that 21 day diet with a dairy free, gluten free, sugar free, and soy free. And then the third component is to maybe you need to do a detox. That's the first place to start, no matter where you're sitting at with endometriosis. Make sure you get that liver, those, that liver functioning really well, reduce its burden so it can clean out the estrogen levels. That's number one. And then the second step will be make sure you're doing that sugar free component on the 21 days to help reduce the candida effect. Now that candida could have also been the same reason that triggered the autoimmune component of endometriosis because the autoimmune diseases, they have to be triggered by something. So you take a mom who's had three kids and then she's like, after my third kid, my body's just never been the same. That pregnancy could have been the instigator of the autoimmune disease. You take someone else who had a major stressor in their life, they were doing fine. Say for like for in my family, um, my grandpa got diagnosed with Parkinson's at 62. My aunt, his daughter, got diagnosed with Parkinson's at 42. So what's the difference? Well, at 42, she had a major stressor factor and it triggered the gene component to be on. So take a look at the liver, candida, and then the autoimmune component. So I wanted to ask you about alcohol. Can people with endometriosis drink alcohol? It will, they can, but it's going to make the estrogen levels worse because that's more crap that your liver has to deal with. So anytime you're giving your liver more stuff to work with, the estrogen level is just going to keep getting higher and higher and higher. So you can drink it, but it's not going to do you any good from, a, from an estrogen level standpoint. So you would recommend do not drink. Correct. At least, you know, it's really hard for people who, I mean, I, I don't drink alcohol ever. I've never had it in my life. But I learned in Oregon when I was doing in school that having a glass of wine is like just a, it's a way to relax, to, to chill out for the day. Right. Um, so that to me was a new concept. And so if you're if you're one of those people who have had who, you know, enjoy their their social hour with with the alcohol or they just have a glass of wine at dinner to to chill out and rest, um, it's going to be really hard to just say cut it. And it's that way with anything, whether it's soda pop or coffee or alcohol or or, you know, ch chocolate, sugar. It's that way with everything. You can't just cut it cold turkey. It's an addiction. You've got to replace it with something and take it one step at a time. Just say, so if you're used to having, you know, I don't even know what it is. So let's just say 12 ounces of alcohol a day. Is that something that people do? I don't know. I don't know. I don't drink. Okay. <laughs> so 12 ounces, let's just say this, 12 ounces a day of alcohol. And in my world, in my community, it's the soda pop. Everybody has hordes and hordes of soda pop. It's just a different addiction is all it is. And, um, so when it comes to cutting back anything is you got to take, say 12 ounces, turn it into eight ounces, and then replace those other four ounces with, with something else. It's really difficult to go to cold Turkey, but if you want to say, okay, I can do this and I can power through it for 21 days and just add that to your 21 day cleanse time period, that would be another good thing, good route to take from the, from the alcohol and the endometriosis perspective. A lot of women with endometriosis, they also experience extreme acne that gets progressively worse with age. Are there any um, maybe treatments, lifestyle habits, or supplements that can help them deal with that acne? Yeah. So think about acne as, as a part of your detox system, right? So I talked about a lot about the, the liver up to this point. Your liver is just one piece of the detox system. There's really big 
five big components, the liver, the small and the large intestine, the kidneys, and your skin. Those are all areas, all organs that your body releases toxins and stuff out of. So acne is a version, it's a way that your body is communicating, hey, I have way too much going on inside. Uh, my detox systems need some help. So if you're suffering with acne and endometriosis, I would literally start at those three steps that we talked about early on, how to, how to reduce the burden on the liver. So one, you're going to lower your, tox, your toxic load by finding a couple products in your house. Then two, do that 21-day cleanse. And then three, the um, probably want to look into a, liver, a proper liver detox and a proper detox in general that doesn't just specify the liver. So when I the detox I use, it's a three-month phase. It's prep phase, body phase, brain phase. There's these three kits. And the prep phase is all about preparing your detox systems to do what it's about to do. The body phase literally pulls toxins from your thyroid, your adrenals, your liver, and your gut. And then the brain phase pulls toxins from your nervous system and your brain. It's not just a, a liver detox. Like it's literally helping your body detox every all of the toxins out from a multiple from multiple organs, multiple areas of the body. And and that's where I would start is is doing the detox as well. So acne. Think about it as a communication of your body saying, I'm under too much load. You need to help me out and lower my load. And then that's how I would do it. So you can actually get rid of acne. I, I Especially when you're coming to, when I talk, you talk about teenagers and how teenagers have so much acne and they're doing, you know, the latest commercial, whatever it is. Um, proactive is a popular one for acne in teenagers. The, the problem is, is that their hormones all of a sudden skyrocketed. They have all of these hormones in their body and their body is not able to take care of it all. And so one of the ways that your body, their body as a teenager is getting rid of all the, the hormones that all of a sudden, you know, went through the roof is through the skin and causing the acne. So no matter how old you are, whether you're 40 or whether you're 14, it's still a communication standpoint that says, hey, I'm under too much load. Can you help me out? Help out my detox organs, lower my load, and then you'll see that the acne clears up and you won't need all of these skin products to just mitigate it. So are there any maybe natural ways that you suggest for women who are going through the pain around the PMS before they detox or maybe while they're still in the detox process to deal with that pain? Ugh, pain's a tough one because there's so many causes of pain and the causes the pain is a, is different for everybody. Um, but I would just start off with, I'm not, okay, so I'm not one to just throw darts at the dartboard. I'm not one to just say, hey, take this to mitigate your pain. I'm one to say, let's, let's get through it because I know on the other end, you're not going to have to take all these things to just survive. Um, where, where, when I see people, I mean, they could easily be on 50 different supplements, 100 different capsules per day, four times a day, like it's absurd the amount of things people are taking just to try to survive. And and I'm of the standpoint of let's let's stop throwing darts at the pain. Let's stop throwing darts at the headaches. Let's stop throwing darts at the thyroid. Let's stop throwing darts at the heavy painful periods. And let's get rid of what's causing it to begin with. So if you're dealing with the pain, which is very, very common with endometriosis, you can do the you can do painkillers. 
but really if you just start off with the basic three steps components and work your way you're going to start noticing that your body is clearing up the pain's going away and you're not having to take anything to just mitigate the symptoms for the short time period do women with endometriosis should they not try to conceive or is there any hope for them maybe conceiving after some treatment oh totally you can totally get pregnant and have a healthy baby healthy pregnancy healthy healthy mommy that's the issue with um, endometriosis and even PCOS. Because a lot of them, a lot of women who suffer endometriosis also have PCOS. And the Western medicine world is going to tell you, especially if you have PCOS, there's no way you can get pregnant, right? The first route that they're going to take is metformin. And metformin helps for the time being, but metformin only conquers one factor out of the two with PCOS. The other one is high testosterone. And when you can take the testosterone and give your body what it needs to, to lower it, to convert it into estrogen, then you can resolve the PCOS. I mean, I, I see people getting pregnant in three, six, nine months once we balance out those PCOS hormones. So getting a diagnosis of PCOS is, to me, not a diagnosis of infertility, even if you've been told you'll never get pregnant because you have this. There is a way to get pregnant. There is a way to balance out those hormones. So not only do you get pregnant, but you stay pregnant and have um, and be that healthy, the healthy mom and with a healthy baby. Endometriosis is the same way. It can be difficult for people to get pregnant. But I also know people who are like my mom. Um, she got pregnant very easily. I would have gone back and diagnosed her with endometriosis. So it's really just not a fair game, right? Especially this infertility world. But if you have endometriosis, you want to get pregnant, you want to have a family, don't let endometriosis stop you. It hasn't stopped many others. And what we've talked about today is the exact tools that you need to take to get started healing so you can get pregnant. And I always say get pregnant, but getting pregnant is only the start. You got to get pregnant, stay pregnant, and be healthy, healthy mom, healthy baby. Um, and it breaks my heart when people are going to fertility clinics and they're, they're doing all these tens of thousands of dollars of treatment, whether it's IVF or AI or IUI or Clomid or, or whatever the case may be, they finally get pregnant and then eight, 10 weeks into it, they lose a baby because their body's not ready to be pregnant. It's just being shoved inside of them. And I'm not saying that from a standpoint of where I don't understand, I understand. In fact, right before her, we lost our second pregnancy 20 weeks in. So I get it. I understand the heartbreak, the heart wrench um, when it comes to losing a baby. When it comes to, I have PCOS, I have endometriosis, the fertility clinic doesn't have the answers. They have things to try to shove a baby inside of you that sometimes work and sometimes don't. And it's really expensive. And the process is very, very tough on the body. Are you feeling sluggish, weighed down, or mindlessly eating in need of new healthy habits? The groundbreaking five-day prolonged fasting mimicking diet is so much more than a diet. It's a whole new way of approaching nutrition and life through fasting. Prolong triggers your body's natural rejuvenation process from within. You'll feel lighter, improve your energy and mental clarity, lose weight and belly fat, and reduce your food cravings. And when you do multiple consecutive rounds of Prolong, you'll rejuvenate your cells, which supports healthy aging. It's the only nutrition program in the world that mimics a fast. The tasty, specially designed, gluten-free, plant-based food keeps you in a fasted state. Over 20 years in the making and developed by the prestigious University of Southern California Longevity Institute and the National 
National Institutes of Health. It's redefined what fasting means. You eat, your body fasts. Ready, set, rejuvenate with Prolong. For more information, go to ProlongFast.com. P-R-O-L-O-N-F-A-S-T.com. And use my code CAT, K-A-T, for 20% off your first order. But when you can take look, take a step back and say, okay, I have PCOS. That means my blood sugar is off. I have high T. How do I fix it? Okay, the supplements I use are cinnulin and femicrin. Works, like I said, three, three months, six months, nine months, depending on how bad the PCOS is. But don't let it stop you. Endometriosis, start off with the exact same three steps. The toxic load, figure out how to unload to re- remove some burden with the products you're using. Do the 21-day diet. And then if you need to make it even greater, do a, a complete detox. And that will automatically take the estrogen levels and lower it and then reduce the load on your body. So not only is your period going to be less heavy, less painful in the next go around, but you're going to become closer to motherhood as well. So don't let a diagnosis of PCOS or endo stop you from wanting to have a baby and having that. So I have another question. So some women have asked if other issues such as tachycardia, hypertension could be related to their endometriosis. Or perhaps that's also from the estrogen issue. When I when I approach health, people's health, and, and when I'm talking about I'm talking about chasing symptoms and chasing a diagnosis, the real problem is like if you think about our systems right now, they're all designed for one specialist, a specialist in the GI tract, a specialist in endometriosis, a specialist in I mean cardiology, whatever the specialist is. They focus on that one organ or that one system, when in reality, our bodies are multiple systems that all play a role with each other. So, for example, I had a um, 27-year-old I've been working with for a couple months now, and she was literally one of those hot messes. She has PCOS um, amongst a million other things. She's on 15 different medications, 15 plus different supplements. And it's all because she's trying to figure out how can she feel better in one way or another. And with her and with everybody, I take their medical records and I use their medical records to help me determine what in the world is going on. All that blood test, all those bl- the blood work that you have that everybody keeps saying is normal. Well, it's normal and you want it to be normal, but it's not ideal. And when you can take it from a n- normal range like this, Condense it to an ideal range like that. Now you can determine what's going on, what's causing the symptoms. So for her, this specific 27-year-old, when she's like literally got so many things going on inside her body, from you know high lipid panel, ugly liver markers, the heart stuff, she's got it all. She's only 27. I can say, okay, we have an infection going on. I can see it right here in your labs. And that infection is going to cause a whole host of crap. It's going to cause a whole host of crap in different ways in different people because we're all genetically different. So that infection might show up as a frozen shoulder in one person, which it, which I called it a couple months ago in one mom. And it might show up as um, a bad lipid panel where your doctor thinks you need statins. Or it might show up as anxiety and depression. Or it might show up as a a struggling thyroid where your thyroid medication is just getting tossed back and forth because it's really not my thyroid problem. It's an infection that's causing my thyroid to struggle. So it really is no matter what's going on, whether it's the tachycardia or the the blood pressure or 
or whatever it is, nausea, vomiting, any symptoms, look from it from a cause causation standpoint. And it's all your body's one incredible machine with multiple systems that all affect each other. So if you're trying to heal your thyroid and you're only specifically worrying about your thyroid, probably not going to have much success because your thyroid is just one piece of a system. And that system is one piece of your body with multiple systems. So my answer is yes, it can affect it all. So sex can also be painful for many women with endometriosis. Are there any maybe natural ways that they can ease that discomfort? Yeah, that is also, it's a very common problem to have um, difficulty with intercourse or pain, painful intercourse, right? And that is one symptom of endometriosis. And I'm going to go back to the exact same thing we've just been keep, we keep reiterating is help your, help your uterus lining, your uterus shrink by helping reduce the estrogen levels, helping to remove the candida if it's a problem, and then slow down the autoimmune attack on your endometriosis, on your endometrium if, if that's the case. But always, 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 always go back to those three key things. Figure out what products are in your house that are toxic and switch them out. Even if it's deodorant, like the number one ingredient in deodorant is aluminum. Aluminum is a toxin. It's a heavy metal and we're literally rubbing it on our skin every day. So switch some, switch some things out like that. If you're using vegetable oil to cook with, maybe you want to switch over and use avocado oil or coconut oil. Um, just take that good product that you're using and make it better. And if you're using a pretty bet, like a, a middle, a better standard, make it the best product possible. And it really can be as simple as switching out three, four, five things in your house and reducing that toxic load. But always, always, always go back to mat no matter what the, the symptom is in regards to endometriosis, you got to go back to the key factor. How do I help my liver handle everything that it's doing so I can lower my estrogen levels? So as far as dietary recommendations, are there any diets that you think um, fare better for endometriosis, vegan, keto, carnivore, paleo, any of these that you would prefer? I, I prefer some things over others. I am not a fan of vegan or vegetarian. It's very difficult from my standpoint to get somebody healthy who is vegan or vegetarian. But here's the thing with diet. And, and I, I have this remarkable podcast coming out next week on, on the female hormones and how to eat, how to, eat to balance your hormones. Um, her name is Karen Martell. I need to hook you up with her. She's, she's genius when it comes to food and hormones. But the, the thing is, is start off with, I would say start off with keto. My biggest, the best thing that you can do from a dietary standpoint is literally the 21 day, I call it anti-inflammatory. So 21 days, remove gluten, dairy, soy, sugar, just do it for 21 days. That's the best route to start. Then when I, as far as me saying, oh, it's keto or, or it's um, vegetarian or it's carnivore or whatever, whatever it is, whatever you choose to take as far as a dietary standpoint, you need to switch it up. Um, especially if you're, thinking, if you're thinking keto or you've been keto for two years and you you lost weight at the beginning and now it's like you've plateaued. And if you look at carbohydrates, you're going to gain the weight. The problem is, and if you flash back to when we were hunter gatherers, our diets rotated upon the season. There was no grocery store who, that had the exact same food inside the grocery store all year round. And that's what we, we ate the same foods 12 months out of the year for years at a time. 
they switched off their diets according to the season. And that's where we see a lot of diets fail, whether it's keto, carnivore, vegetarian, whatever the case may be, we're on that diet for so long that our body just gets used to it. Our gut is the same when our gut needs the best variety possible. So whatever you're choosing to do, I would say a three month, three months are like the the thing. So whether you do keto for three months and then switch off to, hey, hey, it's summertime, I'm going to start eating fruits and vegetables more again. Um, and then back in the winter or in the fall time, literally the best diet for me and, and my person, what I would recommend is just follow the seasons, right? So in the winter, we don't have very many fruits and vegetables naturally. Whereas in the summertime, we have all those fruits and vegetables. And the best route to take from a dietary standpoint is literally think back what we did thousands of years ago as hunter-gatherers and follow that. That would be my best advice. The second, the best, second best thing would be 21 day, I call it the 21 day reboot. You're literally just rebooting your body, rebooting the GI tract so you can eliminate that burden being placed inside of it. Are there any other lifestyle changes that women with endometriosis should do, such as like sleep schedules or maybe like a supplement that they should take? The the supplement world is a billion-dollar industry, and I am no expert in all of it. I'm an expert in what I use, and I use it for a very specific reason. Um, The reason why I use them is because they work – very, very well. So I actually have a 90-day PCOS, or sorry, endometriosis kit that I recommend. Um, I've designed it to help your body detox in the full detox form and then to also lower that estrogen levels. Here, let me go put her in the other room real fast. We won't have a screaming baby in my lap. Um, she can scream upstairs if she needs to. So the the, the lifestyle choices... I think we've been discussing this mostly all throughout the the episode here, but really it is to lower the estrogen levels in ways that we can do naturally and then support it with the supplements. The supplements I have are, oh my gosh, you would think that I would be in better shape, but I'm a mother, right? With two kids, two little kids. So the endometriosis 90-day kit is where is a great kit and it will literally take it to where your body is less pain, less heaviness even sexual intercourse, pain-free in in 90 days because it's designed to lower the estrogen levels to detox and then clean out the GI tract at the same time. So you're getting a plethora, but it's very, very simple. And the supplements that I use are, they're called systemic formulas and they are a company actually just based like 10 miles from my house. And the reason why I use them is because the way that they're designed, so like for PCOS, femicrine and sinulin, are my two go-tos for PCOS. It's literally two supplements, two capsules, maybe once or twice a day. Very, very simple, and it gets the job done. I'm not one to take a million pills. I'm not going to make somebody else take a million pills either. I want to keep it very simple, very realistic. So a busy mom, a busy, you know, nine-to-five career-avid girl who's just trying to survive every time her her period comes around, they can do it. They can be successful and they can see results fast. So there's an endometriosis 90 day kit. If you want to start off simple, the supplements I recommend are LS and Bind. You can get those on my website and I'll ship them anywhere in the world. So that's what I recommend. Like I said, 
supplement world is a billion dollar industry. I'm not good at everything. I'm excellent at what I use and I use that stuff for a reason. So if you want to see quick results fast, go walk down the herb, the herb world where you're taking 15 zillion different herbs to just get the detox effect where you, if you use a supplement that has multiple herbs in that one supplement, you don't have to take a million pills to get the result. And that's why I use what I use and why I recommend what I recommend. That's what I would do on top of all of the lifestyle factors that we've already been discussing. Are women who with endometriosis, do they have a higher risk for certain cancers, let's say if they don't get their endometriosis under control? Ah, that lovely estrogen is linked to the breast cancer factor, right? Um, we can go into cancer. That's not my specialty. And by law, I'm not able to treat it. So I don't go into that cancer route. But if you were to say the estrogen's connected with the breast cancer, possibly, I mean, by that connection, yeah, you would have a, a more increased risk factor. But that being said, you now have all the tools that you need to lower that estrogen level and, and to tackle it now, preventing stuff in the future. And for a woman with endometriosis, what can they expect for menopause? Will it be a harder transition than if you did not have it? You know, I've heard people say that it's easier. And the reason why it's easier is because your estrogen levels are already high. So when they drop during menopause and when they're so low that the hot flashes result, the vaginal dryness results, the mood swings results, they're not so low in an endometriosis person. Because they went from here to now they're like normal. So they what I've been heard what I've heard and what I've been told is that it, they sail through menopause. But I want to caveat that and say you don't have to have endometriosis heading into menopause. You can get all that fixed, resolved before you head into menopause. And no matter what your history, menopause can be a smooth process if you just do things right. Um, and that being said, a lot of people will actually get a hysterectomy before they even reach menopause, if they don't know what we've been discussing today. A lot of women have had the hysterectomy and they still report having the symptoms from endometriosis. Could that um, also be helped using the same methods? Yes. Um, endometriosis, they get the hysterectomy, their uterus is removed. But here's the problem. If it gets so bad, if you've been dealing with this since you were 10 years old and now you're 42, 38, 36, whatever, um, the endometrium can actually start to grow and it can start to attach to other organs in your abdominal cavity. And if I did a, a podcast episode with a lady who had 30, I think she was 34 years old. She got a hysterectomy, had endometriosis really bad, um, causing infertility, already destroyed one marriage. So she was on her second marriage and was just like, I either I have to make a decision. I either have a life or I give up my ability to create life. So she goes into this surgery and uh, she tells me that she has this post-surgery nightmare. And I'm like, yeah, no joke after learning your story. they The surgeon got a little careless about taking out all of this endometrial tissue that had been growing, right? So he was taking out clumps of tissue all throughout her abdominal cavity, not just her uterus. Well, one of those clumps of tissue happened to have a very important nerve inside of it. So he takes out this clump, the nerve comes out with it, and she's still at the hospital. You can't leave the hospital till you pee. She's got a big time problem because now she can't pee. 
the nerve that communicates between the brain and her kidneys is now gone. So she's 32 years old and has to use a catheter for the rest of her life to pee. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> so yes, you can take the endo- you can take your uterus out, but you can still have all of this extra tissue growth inside your abdominal cavity, causing the symptoms that you're very, very familiar with. Now, yeah, you can go get that um, removed. Make sure you uh, research the surgeon before you do it. But you can also talk about and activate and start these lifestyle changes that we've been talking about, throw in some really excellent supplements. And now your body is like, oh, I can start to heal. I can get myself into a healing environment and I can start to take care of this scar tissue and this extra tissue by myself. I don't need a surgeon to do it for me. And I've seen that too. What are some ways that your body can dissolve the scar tissue? You know, I wish we understood that process. Um, All I know is that it can happen. And I'll give you another example here. She's a patient I just finished working with, um, mid, mid thirties, four kids. And she always had this scar tissue that would close up her esophagus and it would start to roll over into her lung cavity. So she goes into an ENT every six months, they scope it down, they clear out the scar tissue, they go even go into the lung cavity and clear out the scar tissue there. And she has to do this every six months, right? So I have no idea how the body heals. I just know it heals. And, and the reason why I can say that is because we did all of the underlying stuff. I never, ever, ever treated her esophagus or her lungs. The only thing I did was, okay, I said, okay, why are you sick? Why are you unhealthy? Why is your body presenting with all of these other symptoms, including the scar tissue? And let's just get you healthy. So after nine months of treatment and doing and working with me and, and just doing some supplements to specify the healing processes here and there, she goes back into her ENT and he's like, she goes into her ENT and the ENT is like, I don't even see remnants of what's been there. I don't see anything in your throat. I don't see anything in your lungs. Like it's, it's as if all of your history is now gone. I have no idea what was causing it. I have no idea how we fixed it. I just know that overall, we, under, we removed the burdens inside her body, the stressors, the inflammation causing agents inside her body so it could get into an ideal healing environment. And I see that with a whole lot of people. The 27-year-old who's the hot mess, who has every symptom under the sun, she's throwing up, can't keep food down, and yet she's gaining weight like crazy. She hasn't thrown up or, or been sick in the last four months. I have no idea what was causing her to feel nauseous and to, and to throw up. I can guess. But the biggest thing is, is I looked through her labs, identified what were the culprits with her normal labs. Like she has this crazy viral infection compiled on top of a bacterial and a fungal infection. So we cleaned all that up and now her GI tract is fine. She hasn't been sick since. So my big thing is to stop chasing the symptoms and just focus on getting healthy. Stop chasing the number on the scale and just focus on getting healthy. And when you can get your body into an ideal, healthy environment, symptoms just start resolving. And you don't need to know what's causing them. You just want to say, I don't have to deal with that anymore. Endometriosis was in my past. It's not not part of my life anymore. And it happens. So let's say uh, someone with endometriosis does uh, all the things that you said, the three steps, and then they're feeling better. Does that mean that they forever should not go back to the old diets or the you know, the old products that they were using, that they have to continue that lifestyle. 
I would continue the lifestyle. And then when it comes to diet, that 21 days, I, I say 21 days because people can cut that stuff out for 21 days. If you were to tell me to go gluten-free for the rest of my life, I'm going to say, screw you. I'm never going to start the diet because I like my Texas Roadhouse rolls. I like them. I'm going to eat them when I go to Texas Roadhouse. So the rule is 80-20. Do the 21 days 100%. And then 80% of the time, eat that way. 20% of the time, splurge and enjoy life and enjoy food because food is part of our life. But when it comes to products, don't go back to your products, your old products that you use, because now you're just giving your body more burden to deal with. In fact, start off with three things. And then in six months, find another three things that you can improve products on and get more natural. And maybe you might even have to look at demoldifying your house. That's a big factor too. Like if you're doing all the physical stuff right and you're still feeling like crap, you might have to take a look around at your environment and say and ask yourself if your environment is making you sick and clean it out. So some women have also asked about blood clots, especially with endometriosis, even with PCOS. Sometimes you can get really huge blood clots. Are these a cause yeah, for the concern while factor. they're healing? Um, is there a size that's too big that they need to get help? You know, I'm, I'm going to throw them to their gynecologist for that one. May definitely work with your gyne on that. Um, but no, hemorrhaging is a big factor because you do have that really thick lining that's going to slough off. And some of it's going to slough off at large points more than other times. I know just from stories that my mom tells me, she had major hemorrhaging factors. Even when she got her hysterectomy, it was a rough recovery because of because uh, of her body hemorrhaging. So be sure that you're under proper care for that one. And, and be sure you're taking some iron because when you lose that much blood, you're going to need some iron. So does this condition, let's say endometriosis, PCOS, do these type of conditions, have you found that they can increase your risk for complications with COVID? No. COVID is a viral component. It's a matter of how healthy is your immune system. If not, I'll just call it good there. <laughs> okay. And does endometriosis affect longevity? Um, I would say it's going to de depend on who you ask. If you're somebody like this girl who got a hysterectomy and now can't pee without using a catheter, that affected you for the rest of your life. Whereas if you're my other 22-year-old who's had heavy painful periods um, and was on a very restrictive diet, but now she's about to get married because she actually was able to go have a date be on dates, eat whatever she wanted to eat at the restaurant and not worry about dying for the next three days because of what she ate. There's there's two different avenues there. And it really depends on what avenue are you going to take? How active are you going to be in taking care of yourself now? Now is a better time than 10 years down the road when it's even worse. And can you tell us about your membership program and ways that everyone can work with you? Yeah. So the best thing to do is just to learn more on my podcast at Beyond the Diagnosis with me, Dr. Kylie, there's multiple episodes on on diet and endometriosis and PCOS. Go take take a look at that. When it comes to getting help, I've figured out a way to make functional medicine, which can be tens of thousands of dollars, really expensive one-on-one -on -one treatment. And I figured out a way to reach more people, help more people, so and do it at a very affordable price. So many people around me, including myself, I couldn't pay fifteen thousand dollars for some for a doctor to walk me through. I would you don't you don't people take out mortgages on their houses. They take out additional credit cards. 
And a lot of people who are already sick, they don't work. So they have no version of income. Um, so what I've done is I've created a membership called Healing Beyond the Diagnosis Tribe. That membership is $1.99 a month. So it's very, very affordable. You get me. You, I'll read your labs. I'll create personalized supplement plans for you. And you get experts coming in every week um, on live calls. So it's really a really popular place to just take action at a very low affordable cost rather than the tens of thousands of dollars that people would charge for one-on-one -on -one care. And then not only does it allow me to help more people, it allows me to be a mom more at the same time. So you can check that out at drkylieburton.com um, backslash healing beyond the diagnosis with dashes in between each word. And we'll put the comments here in the links below. That's where you can get inside the membership. Um, if you're wanting to conquer endometriosis and you think it might go beyond the liver, beyond those three components, definitely take a look. And there's even a four-week meal plan on what to eat to balance your hormones. It, there's a lot of good stuff in there and I'd love to help. So start off with learning more at the podcast, Beyond the Diagnosis with Dr. Kylie, and then come join us in the membership site, in the membership. And I even have um, boot camps. So I have Permission to Heal Boot Camps, and there is a boot camp specifically for endometriosis. We start that on the first go around is March 15th, and we'll do another round of it in April and then another round of it in the fall. So if you're looking at saying, I want to give this a shot, I'm going to give myself 21 days. And I'm going to get a couple of those supplements that she was talking about in here inside the starter kit in those, inside those boot camps. Um, that would be a great place to start too. So go go right now to the, the podcast. If you're interested in checking out a boot camp, there is a boot camp for endometriosis. You can also find that at, the, at my website and when we're running the next boot camp. And then the membership will always be there. If you don't want to wait for the boot camp, the membership's there. Well, thank you so much for being with us here today and sharing everything you know about endometriosis. And I know you did, even though you have your kids with you and it was a little bit inconvenient. So thank you so much for doing that for us. <laughs> yep. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you made it this far, I'm sure you found some benefit to the hard work that I put into the show. Show your support by subscribing to the podcast. Leave me a voicemail question or email me at thehealthfulgypsy at gmail.com. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Be sure to join the Facebook group. You can find all that information in the show notes and my website, katkatibi.com. I had an episode a while back with Dr. Mona Fahum of Feminescence, and we spoke about Feminescence, Maca Harmony, and their Maca products. And if you're a woman who's ever had hormonal imbalances, if you're trying to come off the birth control pill, or even if you're going through menopause, this is a natural way to help ease that transition and to help balance your hormones. There's nothing quite like it. So go to feminescence.com, enter code CAT15, K-A-T-1-5 for 15% off any of their single pack products. And definitely go check out the episode. Just search for Mona Fahum on my podcast and listen, you won't regret it. This podcast is for informational merrymakings and metaphysical purposes only. Statements and views are not medical advice. This podcast, including Kakatibi, disclaim any adverse effects by the use of information you may have heard. Opinions of guests are totally their own. This podcast does not endorse statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications, credibilities, or sanity. 
individuals may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to on the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, consult with a licensed medical physician, not just the spirit of your ancestors while on ayahuasca.